Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. You may be seated. Hey, let's thank our students this morning, our college young adults, for doing such an incredible job leading out this morning. Man, I love uh, being their pastor, and I love watching them use their gifts to honor and to glorify the Lord. And we're so grateful that you are here today. For all those who are joining us physically, for those who are joining us online, we are so glad you are here. And the opportunity we get together uh, to make much of Jesus. If you're visiting with us, uh, we're especially honored to have you today. Our heartbeat is to connect everyone with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, and we'll continue to do so today. Now listen, I've been in Charleston and got back home just a few hours ago. I did a wedding over there uh, yesterday at 6 o'clock in the evening and drove through the night to come back. So if I slur my speech a little bit, if I start quoting other religious texts, you just forgive me, okay? Uh, We're going to get through this together today. But I'm so excited about the opportunity we have today uh, to finish out our series, Hello, My Name Is. Uh, Last week we talked about Yahweh Nisi, Exodus chapter 17, the Lord is my banner. And today we are going to piggyback just a little bit off of that message and we're going to end it out uh, today. Let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of this phrase, this English idiom? It has been a banner day. It's been a banner day. Well, let me tell you what that means. Maybe you're in the life of a business and you've had a day that's been just immeasurable accomplishment, something so good and so big that has happened that it's been a banner day. It means this, a day to be remembered and a day to be celebrated a banner day. I think of the Ridge Outdoor Resort as COVID-19 reared up and and they opened up. Man, they've not only had banner days here with people coming to camp, but they've had a banner year in the life of their company. A wonderful year to be celebrated and to be remembered. A banner day. Well, I got to thinking just this past week that I saw such a banner day uh, for a Major League Baseball player. I don't know if y'all knew this, But Major League Baseball did something really cool this past week. Anybody watch what they did that was really cool? How many of you guys remember the story, the the movie Field of Dreams that came out in 1989? What a great movie. Kevin Costner, Ray, in the movie, avid baseball fan, in the cornfields of Iowa. Here's a voice out in the cornfield one night. Now listen, theologically, theologically the movie is just way off. But I love it, right? Do you remember what he heard out in the cornfields? If you build it, what did he say? He will come. Man, if you build it, he will come. So Ray gets out there, and he builds a baseball field out in the cornfields. And you know what? He builds, and guess what happened? They came. Shoeless Joe Jackson came, and they began to play baseball. Just a really good movie. Well, MLB, Major League Baseball, did a pretty good one. And they came together, and they built a field right next to the iconic field of dreams. And they held the first ever Major League Baseball game in the Iowa cornfields this past week. And talk about a banner day. It was a banner day for Tim Anderson of the White Sox, who would face the Yankees. And you got to take a look at this movie storybook ending here at a real game taking place on the Field of Dreams. Take a look at the screen if you would. Look at that. A walk-off home run by Tim Anderson. The ball disappears in the cornfields of Iowa. 
And what an incredible, incredible ending to a pretty iconic game. Hey, what a banner day for Tim Anderson and the White Sox to remember. What a banner day for them to celebrate. But you know what? With every banner day, sometimes comes a a bad day, doesn't it? Think of Zach Britton, the pitcher for the Yankees. While it was a banner day for Tim Anderson, he threw up, he gave up the pitch that was sitting in the cornfields. Now listen, Zach Britton, the pitcher for the Yankees, has had many banner days in his careers. In fact, he's pitching for the Yankees. But you know, on this day, it was a bad day for him. You know why? Because as a pitcher, he didn't finish well. He didn't finish like he wanted to finish. Instead of closing out the game with Yankees on top, he lets one go. And they lose the game and give Tim Anderson and the White Sox a banner day for their organization, for their team. You see, last week, we saw a banner day in Exodus chapter 17 for Moses, didn't we? Now, you remember, right? Moses there in Exodus chapter 17 is standing on a hillside. He has his arms raised in the air with the staff of God in his hand. And the Israelites are down below him, led by Joshua. And they are battling against the Amalekites. The Bible taught us that as long as Moses' hands were raised, the people of God were winning. And if his hands began to fall, they'd start losing. So Aaron and Hur came alongside of him, sat him down on a rock, held his hands up. And at the end of the day, the Amalekites were defeated. And what a banner day for Moses. I love reading that story. Because, you know, at the end of that day, Moses, the Bible tells us, built an altar. And he called that altar Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner. Hey, don't you love banner days like that for your faith and for mine? In fact, what we were reminded last week is that Jesus is our banner, believer. Listen, he's the one that we live, that we love, that we serve, and that we fight under. Jesus Christ is our banner. But as we continue on in looking at Yahweh Nisi today, what we're going to begin to find is that Moses had a lot of banner days. He had many banner days. But Moses also had some bad days. And the question I want to ask is this. Is did Moses really finish well? Did Moses finish well? It allows us to ask the question of you and me today. Are you and I living our lives in such a way that today we are finishing Well, the race the Lord has marked out for us in Philippians chapter 3. So today, as you take your Bibles, open them to Numbers chapter 20, or open your app and slide to there. In Numbers chapter 20, here's where I want our focus to be. You ready? We finish well tomorrow by being faithful to Jesus today. Hey, hey, believer, you're going to finish well tomorrow by being faithful to Jesus today. I want us to see how this plays out amidst the banner days and even a bad day in the life of Moses. Now, Moses had many banner days. Let me just give you my top five list, and there's too many uh, to recount this morning. Let me give you my top five list of Moses' banner days. Hey, think of the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 where Moses gets the calling of God to set his people free and to be the very one that leads God's people into the promised land. Hey, church, That's a banner day. Think of this moment. The Ten Commandments 
that God hands off to Moses for him to bring down Mount Sinai, Exodus chapter 20. What a banner day in the life of Moses. Think about the plagues against Pharaoh. The iconic line in Exodus chapter 5 verse 1, let my people go. And what a banner day in Moses' life. What about the parting of that old Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14? How about in Exodus chapter 33 to round out my top five? When Moses is close enough to God, he says, God, show me your glory, and God does. Man, talk about banner moments of faith for Moses. Man, how many banner days Moses had in his faith. But I want you to hear me, just like you and me, Moses had some bad days. Moses had some days that were anything but banner in his life as well. And so the question is, is when Moses didn't have a banner day, was God still his banner? Was the Lord still his banner in those bad days? Well, in Numbers chapter 20, as you turn there, we're going to begin in verse 3. And as you do, I ran across a study done by a professor at Fuller Seminary. And listen to what he did. He went and studied all the male leaders in the Bible. And he wanted to ask this question of them. How many of them finished well? And do you know that in his study of all the male leadership in the Bible, by the way, uh, the reason he doesn't, doesn't do a study about women leaders because women leaders almost always finish well. Let me tell you what happens with men, though. He found that 30%, only 30% of men in the Bible finish well. And you know what? That's not only in the Bible. That's in the church. That 70%, seven out of every 10 of us in this room, men, will not finish well in Christ. I wonder how Moses fared in this survey. Did, did Moses finish well? Was the Lord still Moses' banner at the end of his life? Was Yahweh still Nisi, right? Was Yahweh still his, his banner? Look at this in Numbers chapter 20. The Israelites find themselves in the desert of Zin. And out in that desert, there's a couple things you know about a desert. Most important thing, there's not a lot of water. And they were coming into that realization. Watch what it says here. In verse 3, that they begin to quarrel with Moses and said, Now watch, watch their belly aching right here. If only we had died with our brothers and fell dead before the Lord, why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? There's no grain, there's no figs, there's no Taco Bell, there's no grapevines, there's no pomegranates. And most importantly, there's no water to drink. Hey guys, if you think about this, this need is real. You know what they know? Without water, they're going to die. Without water, their livestock is going to die, and there was no water to be seen. Had God abandoned them? Is Moses' leadership so incompetent? Is he so incompetent as a leader that he has led them into the desert merely to just die? The need was a real one. But the people's reaction was one of just unbelief. I can imagine Moses, this Israelite leader, this leader appointed by God, found the Israelites at times to be just stinking annoying. I can imagine, listen to these complaints. 
how annoying they must have been to Moses and to Aaron and the leadership. The whining, the complaining, the lack of faith. You see, God had already brought water from a rock in Exodus chapter 17. God had provided quail and manna from heaven. But it didn't seem to matter to the Israelites. Yet again, they struggled in trusting the Lord and in trusting Moses' leadership. So what does Moses do? Look at verse 6 in Numbers chapter 20. The Bible says that Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of the meeting. That's where Moses and God would have some face time together. The Bible says that they fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And what happens in verses 7 through 9 is pretty incredible. God tells Moses, hey, listen, pick up my staff, take it in your hand, go to the rock, speak to it, and water will flow. Speak to it, and water will flow. Now, this is a little bit different directions. And he gave all the way back in Exodus chapter 17 where he said, I want you to go to the rock and strike him. This time, God says, Moses, I want you to go and speak to it. Well, the Bible tells us this in verse 10. Moses and Aaron, they do exactly what God says. And you know what I love about this interaction between God and Moses and Aaron and his people? Is that God doesn't destroy the Israelites in their unbelief. Now, we may want him to because they seem pretty annoying. But God doesn't. Rather, he deals with them in grace, giving to them that which they don't deserve. He deals with them in mercy, and that is the delaying of God's judgment in their life. And I'm going to tell you, church, every time we come together, I am grateful for the grace and the mercy of God. That he doesn't destroy me in my sin and my unbelief at times. Look at verse 10. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Uh Uh-oh. Must we bring water out of this rock? I don't know if y'all catch this, but do y'all see a little bit of the frustration in Moses' voice? Do you see the fury at which he now addresses the people? You know, if I were there with Moses that day at his side, I'd go, hey, Moses, you mad, bro? <laughs> what's, what's going on? Have a bad weekend? You and the missus fighting? What, what's going on, Moses? Because Man, he seems to be pretty upset here. Watch what happens here. The Bible says this in verse 11. Not only said, must we bring water out of this rock, but in verse 11, then Moses raised his arms and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their, li- their livestock, they drained. Hey, isn't this incredible how God comes through and delivers on his promises? But don't miss out on this. Moses doesn't deliver on the command and the words of God. God had told Moses, you speak to that rock. And yet here in Numbers chapter 20, Moses takes his staff and he strikes it once. And guess what? Unlike in Exodus chapter 17, no water flows. Can I imagine, can I just share with you what I think happened next? Seeing that, Moses started going, you know how you get when you're mad? And finally strikes it again hard and God delivering on his promise He gives water to the people. But Moses doesn't deliver on being faithful to the commands and the words of God. And so here's what begins to happen here in verse 12. Is that we find in Numbers chapter 20 that Moses is in a place where no leader wants to be. You ready? God uses Moses despite Moses. Guys, I'm going to tell you, believers, that's a place you never want to be. 
where God is using you despite you. Moses' anger had won the day, and Moses would lose so much. Look at verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, uh, if you're a parent in the house, uh, you could be in a whole group of people, and, and I could look at one of my kids because they're acting up a little bit, and I could look at them and go, hey, come here real quick. They know exactly what that means, right? They know they've done something wrong, and Dad's fixed to, fixing to, in a very nice way, tell me my life is over, right? They know exactly what that means. I can imagine that God looks at Moses and Aaron and says, Hey, boys, come here. Listen to what he says here. Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. And what a gut punch. And what did, what did Moses really do here? You said the Lord says, you didn't honor me. Because why? Because they took credit from the water coming from the rock. Remember verse 10? Must we bring Water from the rock. Hey, let me ask you, church, when did any man ever bring water from the rock? It was God and God alone. And then when God says to speak to the rock, they took matters into their own hands and they, and they struck the rock. And now the promised land has been taken from them. You see, the Lord telling Moses, I want you to speak to that rock instead of striking, it meant this for Moses. That Moses would have to act in faith and not in force. Speaking to a rock would mean that by faith, water would flow. Striking a rock meant by my force, I'm going to cause water to flow. And we know that in this story, many banner days for Moses, we find a pretty bad they hear. God wanted Moses to use faith. But Moses instead in his frustration used his own force. Hey, how many of y'all have lived long enough to know, to appreciate how much better life would be if we operated in faith rather than our own force? If we operated under the commands of Christ by faith instead of trying to force issues and circumstances ourselves. Hey, Moses is figuring this out here in the Scripture. Now, some might look at this discipline of God and think, hey, this is too harsh from God. Man, this is too much discipline. Man, God really missed it on this one. But let me remind you of what Jesus would teach. You ready? In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, for everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And from one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Moses had met face to face with God. He had hundreds of banner days and banner moments with God. And yet before a rock and a bunch of whiny people, he takes matters into his own hands and puts himself at the center of attention instead of instead of God. And you know what God does? And here's what I love. You know what God could have done in that moment? Instead of going, come here, Moses, he could have destroyed Moses. Could have. 
God is the author of life and death. And in Moses' sin, he could have destroyed him. But rather than that, God loved Moses enough to discipline him. If you're a parent, maybe a grandparent, you got to love your kids a lot to discipline them. Show me a parent who doesn't discipline their kids, and I'll show you a parent who probably doesn't love their kids a whole lot. Scripture teaches that. Sometimes we think of the discipline of God and we go, Man, it's just God's punishing us. Now, hey, listen, believer, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no more condemnation or punishment, but there is God's discipline. Listen to the author of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Man, y'all ever been whipped before? Us oh, is painful at the time. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace by those who have been trained by it. You know what's amazing? God loves Moses. And here's what God's convinced of, and he knows for a fact, that sin is serious business. By lacking faith and trust in God, by not honoring God in his life as his banner, it is serious business, and Moses' sin will destroy him and the people. And so God loves Moses enough to deal out some discipline with Moses. You think about it, you go, man, the many, many banner days of Moses' life. But chapter 20, this one bad day, and everything is, is taken from. The discipline of God just seems to be too much for Moses. But here's what we begin to learn, church. That for you and me, finishing well tomorrow means we ought to have faith in Jesus today. Faithful in what seem like the small things in life. You know, there are things in life that we look at. I mean, there's are small, petty things. Really, maybe God isn't really concerned about the small things. Like, Striking a rock instead of speaking of it. Like using force instead of faith. But here's what we, here's what we come to learn in Moses' life and story. From his banner days to his bad days. Being faithful today in the small things. You ready? To speak to whatever rock God calls you to speak to instead of striking it. To have faith in situations and not to just rely on your own force. Being faithful in the small things today is how you and I finish well tomorrow. You see, when it comes to the Word of God, we just don't pick and choose what we like, the commands we like, the words that we like. I'll follow that, not so much on this one. Now listen, as believers in Christ, we are faithful to the commands of Scripture, to the Word of God, and living out the Word of God in our lives. We are faithful today in the small things so that we can finish well tomorrow. Somebody who finished well tomorrow, think of it was Paul. I quoted him last week. Out of 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Hey, listen, man, how cool would it be for you and I to get to the end of our days and to be able to declare without any hypocrisy and in truth, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept my faith. And Paul's able to do that. But a passage not often quoted from the pulpit is found in verse 10. 
And as much as Paul celebrates Christ as his banner, who he has lived and loved and served and fought under, fighting the good fight, listen to how his heart hurts in verse 10 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, of 2 Timothy 4.10. Listen to this. He writes, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So in the very same moment where he celebrates the fact that he has fought the good fight, finished the race and kept the faith, a few verses later his heart and his mind is turned to Demas, who he describes as in love with this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Isn't it amazing? We have two men, one who finds themselves in the 30% club, and the other in the 70%. Paul, who finds himself faithful, who finished well, and Demas, who didn't. One who loved Christ, Paul did, and Demas, one who loved the world. One who remained faithful to his faith in Jesus, and one who had forsaken the faith. And what we begin to see is that Paul finished well because he was faithful to Jesus. And so you know what? Paul found himself in the 30% club. Aldemus found himself in the long list of men in the Bible who did not finish well. Hey, can I ask you something? Every man, woman, boy, and girl. You know, the truth is, is we don't know about our tomorrow. We're not promised it, right? Scripture teaches us that. I'm not promised tomorrow. I can't change yesterday, but I have today. And the question is, is will I finish well tomorrow by being faithful to Jesus today? Are you finishing well, believer? Hey, did Moses finish well after his bad day in Numbers Chapter 20. Now, it's indisputable. Just a few weeks ago, I got to be with Triumphant Quartet over at Billy Graham's Training Cove, where I had the joy of preaching the gospel. I love being there, but to be anywhere where Billy Graham preaches, you just feel like an idiot. Uh, you just uh, you feel like the donkey that's up there in Billy Graham's pulpit. And anyway, but we went over there, and let me tell you something about Billy Graham. Say what you want. That old boy finished well. Let, let me share just with you the numbers to prove it. You ready? 2.2 billion, the number of people who heard him preach either in person or on broadcast. 185, the number of countries and territories where he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. 61, the number of times that he wound up on Gallup's top 10 poll list as one of the most admired people in America. 13, the number of presidents that sought his counsel from Truman to Trump. 1963, the year he posted bail for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. after his arrest during the Civil Rights protest. 2.2 million, the estimated number of people who made a decision for Christ at one of his rallies. Listen, at every point in turn, you look at Billy Graham's life and you go, man, all he ever had was banner days. And there you go, preacher, citing somebody we can't ever live up to. Let me tell you why I'm citing him. I can't live up to that either. If that's what finishing well looks like, I quit. I, I can't do it. 
Then Anthony, how is it that we finish well tomorrow by being faithful today? I got to thinking about what finishing well would look like for me. And whatever and whenever my tomorrow comes. I, I don't know if I have moments left on this earth or many, many more years. But whenever my tomorrow comes, how do I know that I have finished well? What does it look like to be faithful today? Well, it's not 2.2 billion or 185 or 61, the number 13, the number 2.2 million. Here's how I know I finish well tomorrow, by being faithful today. If at my graveside somebody would say, Anthony loved and led his wife well. Anthony loved and led his kids well. He was an okay pastor and preacher. But he loved Jesus. You know what finishing well looks like to me? On the day that I close my eyes in death, I often think about that day. When you do so many funerals, you often wonder what's it going to look like that day. I play through different scenarios in my head. But you know what finishing well looks like for me tomorrow? Standing before Jesus. Hearing the words of Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, and hearing from him, well done, good and faithful servant. How do I have that finishing well tomorrow? I must be faithful to Jesus today. What did Moses learn of that? Did he finish well after his bad day, after God's discipline in his life? Well, let's take a look real quick at Moses' obituary in the Bible and what mattered most in his faith. And I love this in Deuteronomy 34.10. Jot this down. After Moses' death, listen to what was said of him. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses. And listen to why. Whom the Lord knew face to face. You know what I don't see in his obituary? Any reference to Numbers chapter 20. I don't see any reference to his bad day but a culmination of his banner days, that what separated him, how he was faithful to God in his every day is that he met with God face to face. A lot of people would chalk Moses up into not finishing well because he wasn't able to lead God's people in the promised land. I would argue against that. When this is what could be said of you in Deuteronomy chapter 34, Verse 10, when this is your last lines, this is your obituary, I'm going to tell you this, Moses finished well. And here's why. Listen to Exodus 33, 11. Listen how the Bible describes Moses' relationship with the Lord. You ready? Verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. The key for you and I to finish well tomorrow is to be faithful to Jesus today. And where does that begin? You ready? FaceTiming with him every day.
I've been in Charleston the past couple of days. One of my favorite things to do is to, to call my wife and to put it on FaceTime and just to hear my kids talk and to see their face. I love FaceTime. We use it all the time when I'm out of town, whether I'm in Israel or I'm in Charleston. We FaceTime together. We love you. You say, well, man, listen, I can't call Jesus up on the phone. I can't FaceTime with him. Let me share with you what FaceTime looks like. You ready? Every day in your faith in Christ, this right here. It looks like reading his word. You know what it looks like? Talking with him. Spending time in his presence every day. Just loving on him and thanking him. That's what FaceTime looks like for the believer. But you know what is missing the most? Out of every discipline in the church today, what, miss, what is missing the most is a believer who has FaceTime with God every day. And yet that's what distinguishes Moses in his relationship with the Lord. That is the power behind his banner days and the reason why his bad days did not destroy him. Because finishing well tomorrow meant that Moses spent face time with the Lord in his every day. But I want to throw this out at you. Ready? We've been talking about thirsty people, right? Numbers chapter 20, they complained against the Lord because they were thirsty. And are you really thirsty for the Lord in your everyday? Finishing well tomorrow means that we thirst for Him today. In this conversation of what it is to be thirsty, let me remind you of Psalm 63, 1. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you with my whole being that longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 42, 1 through 2. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for you, the living God. Want to finish well tomorrow? By being faithful today, thirst for the Lord. And spend time FaceTiming with Him every day. And I promise you this, you will finish well tomorrow. But I want to share with you Numbers chapter 20. Even though Moses had FaceTimed with God that day, there will still be bad days like Moses had. There will be discipline, days where your faith takes a hit, where you stumble and fall. But I promise you this, you being, you finishing well by being faithful to Jesus today, there will be exponentially more better days in your life than there will be bad days. And even when those bad days come, you can still finish well by picking things back up and being faithful to Jesus today. So can I close with just three, uh, three motivations behind us finishing well? Why, why is it? Why is it that you and I want to finish well? Just to say we did? To have a really kicking funeral? Great gravestone? Is that really what it's all about? Maybe just maybe the motivation behind us finishing well today and in our tomorrow is because of the faithfulness of God. Here's what I mean. Think of this. God didn't back out on Moses because of his bad day. He was still 
Moses' banner. Deuteronomy chapter 34, back to his obituary. We know this in verse 10. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Look at verse 12. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. What's amazing is, is even at his death, that Yahweh is still Nisi to Moses. That means this, that Yahweh is still his banner, even if he had a bad day. Oh, the faithfulness of God. Here's one of the second motivations of how faithful God is. Look at Deuteronomy 34, verse 6. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, look at the death of Moses. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord said. And look at verse 6. He buried him in Moab. On the day Moses died... God called up Ashley's funeral home and said, fellas, I got this one. And God took Moses. He buried him. He did his funeral service. Moses had a bad day in Numbers 20. But his banner was still the Lord. He was still faithful to God so that he could finish well in his tomorrow. And God took care of Moses even when he died. You know the last thing that motivates us to finish well, speaking of the faithfulness of God? How God blesses and loves on Moses when he didn't have to. Look at this in Deuteronomy 34, verse 1. The Bible says that Moses then climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. And listen to this. And the Lord showed him the promised land. Moses' sin, his rebellion, prevented him from stepping foot on the promised land in the days ahead. But in God's compassion, in God's greatness, in God's grace, in his faithfulness, when he didn't have to, he says, Moses, let's go on a hike. Look, there it is, the promised land. And as if God's grace is not good enough there. If we were to turn over to Matthew chapter 17 in the Gospels, we would find ourselves on Mount Tabor, there in the heart of the promised land. And there's Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And all of a sudden, Elijah appears before them. And wait a second. There's Moses, who's standing next to Jesus in the very promised land of God. Church, great is the faithfulness of our God. And thus lies the very motivation for you and I to finish well. Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Our motivation to finish well is the overwhelming love and faithfulness of our Father. It is how Moses finished well, even though he had a bad day in Numbers chapter 20. And even though he would never touch the promised land, at least in the days before him. You know, this, is, this conversation of God's faithfulness, His love and His grace, is not a crutch for us to continue to sin 
Rather, it is the catalyst for you and I to finish well. Back in 1992, in Barcelona, the Olympics were taking place. It was the 400-meter race. Derek Redman got on his starting block. The pistol was fired, and he took off. And this British runner led the pack the entire way. He was poised to win the entire heat. And as Derek Redman got 100 meters from the finish line, all of a sudden the, the cameras began to pan back towards him. He had stopped running. He went and doubled over in pain. And he grabbed the back of his leg, and just the tears flowing from his eyes and the look on his face, something bad had happened. Well, what Derek Redmond didn't know was that 100 meters from the finish line, his hamstring had torn, and he would lose the race that he had been training for his entire life. Well, Derek Redmond was determined to finish the race. And as he began to try to just hop along, the pain was too much. And so he began to drag himself towards the finish line. And it became apparent to everybody who was watching, there's no way Derek's going to get across the finish line. Then all of a sudden, from the top of the stands, a gentleman came running down to the track. Security tried to stop him, but he brushed them away. He ran down on the track, and he got to Derek... And he grabbed him around his waist, took his arm and put it over his neck, and he began to carry Derek the last 100 meters of the race. That gentleman's name is Jim Redman, and that is Derek's daddy. You see, when his son was so wounded and so hurt, so stricken that he couldn't finish the race. The father came down from out of the stands and carried his boy to ensure that Derek would finish well and he would finish the race. Church, I, I don't know what has you down on the track today. I, I don't know the name of your sin. I don't know the story of your circumstance. I don't know the hurt. I don't know the wounds that you have. But many of you know what it's like to lay on that track in the race that God has marked out for us in faith. But I'm here to tell you that the good news of the gospel is that in Christ, we can finish well tomorrow by being faithful to Jesus today. And when the race gets too hard, when the world gets too tough, the good news of the gospel is that God began to make his way out of the stand. When we could not help ourselves, when we could not finish the race, that God began to make his way out of the stands. He clothed himself in flesh and made his dwelling among us. And Jesus Christ died on the cross, taking our sin and our shame, defeated death, hell, and the grave, came to life so that he could carry us, so he could put our arm around him, and we can finish this race well. Believer, you can finish well tomorrow by being faithful to Jesus today. Not a person in this room has to be in the 70% club. But all of us can be numbered. All of us in the 30% 
who finish well. Are you going to have bad days? Yes. But in Christ, your banner days will far outnumber them. And remember this. For Moses, even at the end of his race and the end of his day, Yahweh was still Nisi. The Lord was still his banner. And believer, at the end of our days, Christ is our banner. He is the one we live, we love, we serve, and we fight under. And we can finish well tomorrow by being faithful to Jesus today. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.